I have decided to create my own outlet for information because it's become increasingly clear over the last 20 years, more and more, but certainly more in the last three years, that the mass media can't be trusted. We see in this country an extension of political parties when it comes to media. We've got Fox News that is an extension of the Republican Party. Shamelessly so. They claim to be fair and balanced, but everyone knows the truth. It's like it's like a running joke. But what's more sinister in my mind is that CNN and NBC are extensions of the Democratic Party. And that's relatively obvious too, but the Democratic politicians are the people who are pretending that they are representing you when they're not. They tell you all the things that you want to hear as a liberal voter that we care about you, that we want you to be healthy and taken care of and not starving to death and not homeless in the streets. Uh, But what they actually do is subvert your best interest by answering the call to their donors, the same donors who fund all of the Republican special interest groups. That's the reason for this podcast. That's the reason why I'm creating a new space for us to exchange sources of information because there are precious few outlets that in my mind can be trusted. A few of those are the TYT network, all that Jen Uger has done, Anna Kasparian, all the people at TYT are doing fantastic stuff. Michael Moore's new podcast, uh, Rumble, is a fantastic commentary on all of what's currently happening as well. And then, of course, Democracy Now!, Amy Goodman, all good stuff as well. But what I want, and part of the purpose of this podcast is to hear from you. That's why I'm broadcasting on this platform, Anchor, because it has its own feedback capability. You can message me. You can give me data. You can get tell me your sources. Where are you getting your news? Where are you getting your podcast? What what's interesting to you? And what perks your ears and keeps your attention and makes you motivated to stay tuned, motivated to participate in a democracy in this country, motivated to create the first ever American democracy. That is my motivation for being here. And it's the reason why I want to connect with you. And so this is the first of what will be many episodes talking about current events, talking about the movement of democratic socialism, a platform of governance that actually represents the people and not the special interest groups and the big money donors that have run this show for way too long. 
That's the premise. The point of it is feedback. So please like it, subscribe to it, but more importantly, give me your feedback. Tell me where you're getting your sources of news. What are your trusted sources? What do you see as compelling in today's political climate? Welcome to Fractured with Douglas Reynolds. I am Douglas Reynolds. The purpose of this podcast is to join the chorus of singular voices in an effort to unionize this country, to unionize our voices, to unionize our actions. To partner together in thought, in speech, and in action. To change this country in the way that we all need it to change. Democracy only works when you, the person listening to this podcast, participate in a real way. And as Michael Moore said earlier, not just in clicking like on social media posts and and the hearts on Instagram. You know, it's it's action that influences people in a positive way that really makes the difference. When you see the mass of humanity at a Bernie rally or a protest rally, it influences people. A chorus of voices unionized in one message. Today's podcast is about me, I guess. My unraveling situation with my health. I woke up about a month ago with a lump in my chest about the size of a baby's fist and I didn't go to work that day I just I went to the ER so that's what you do when you have a fucking thing growing out of your body all of a sudden had been in pain for a few days because of my ribs so I go to the ER And they want to know about insurance, and I don't have any insurance. It's a whole big conversation before they agree to treat me, as they're obligated to do, with the understanding that I was going to have to pay a whole bunch of money if I don't have insurance. And I can't have insurance. And I will get to that. But they agree to... Take a look at me, and they say, you know, after an x-ray, your ribs are broken. Kind of already knew that. It happens a bit. I'll get to that. Uh, but we found there's a mass on your in your rib cage. We think it's a tumor. 
So we need to do a CT kit, C, CT scan. Okay, that's terrifying. Let's do that as soon as possible. Another conversation about money. Let's do the goddamn CT. I'll figure it out later. So yeah, they said, you know, there's, there's a tumor and, you know, it might have been there for a while. Apparently it weakened the bones in the area, making it easier to break them, which is why I've been easily breaking them for a long time. Sleep on it wrong and wake up with broken ribs. It's terrible. Extremely painful, hard to function, frequent. So that's why. They say they think it's benign. And then they say it should be biopsied and removed, but we're not going to do that. And we're not going to do that because you don't have insurance. And that's an expensive procedure we're unwilling to do without payment up front before the procedure which is an impossibility for me and pretty much everybody else so then they kick me out of the ER give me a card for someone who you know can talk about your lack of money And then I get a follow-up. There's a local clinic. And I'm just paying as I go. And it's fairly reasonable. But they won't do the expensive procedures. So now I try to... I've been trying to get on insurance since uh, late... Like, October. Uh, I filed in Oregon. Or tried to file in Oregon. But because I can't prove my income, they can't give me a policy at any price. Now, if I go to a a public option, in fact, after I tried to get on SSI for this at the Social Security office, I met the wife of someone picking up a whole bunch of brochures about Medicare who, that she got yelled at about taking all, basically all the brochures out of their racks and bringing them to her husband who's waiting in the car down below. And I left pissed off because I had just found out that there's literally no way for me to be on insurance through the government. I've tried it in Oregon and I've tried it in Florida and because I'm a small business owner, I don't have W-2s for records. And that's why, because I don't have provable income. If I show my bank account, they're gonna see, oh, you've got lots of sales. But my, you know, 90% expense rate in 2019, 89%. So (laughs) that would deny me based on the numbers on my bank statements without context of a tax return I haven't filed since 2017 and 
So I had to get on it and I hired a CPA. He did 18 and 19 at the same time, but, and we're going to file them together, but, uh, can't file because the IRS hasn't released the 2019 updates yet. And they have to the end of the month. And now it's the fifth, meaning they're overdue by almost a week. Still not released. And so I can't have health insurance because I can't file my taxes. So then I find out, I get a copy. I say, can I get just a draft so I can have a document? I do that. And they're like, oh, sorry, the window's closed for open enrollment. I'm like, what are you talking about? I've started this a while ago. Oh, yeah, you hadn't completed your application, so the window's closed now. You're going to have to wait a year until open enrollment again before you can get on health insurance from us. Like, what the fuck? And I was just recently diagnosed with, you know, low vision. Uh, I'm legally blind in my right eye, and my vision's so bad that they are going to put a... A restriction on my license probably the next time I renew it and uh, they said that I basically qualify for disability which is why I went to Social Security in the first place so they basically said that's a good way to go since you know you in any case so they say no they say no uh, so that I'm pissed off I'm yelling as I slam open the door, leaving the social security office yelling, I hate this country. And a woman standing there by the elevator says, are you all right? And I said, no, no, I'm not all right at all. And she said, why? What's wrong? And I said, I literally can't get on health insurance of any kind for any price. And she said, that's not true. My husband can get you on insurance today. And I'm like, what? Okay, let's go. I left my girlfriend. She hadn't caught up to me. I got in an elevator and left without her. Like, get me on insurance. And I'm talking to this guy through, he's in his car, just waiting there for her to come back with all these brochures. And I said, I'm sorry to approach you, sir, just in the parking lot stranger walking up to you but your wife here I met in the elevator said you can get me on insurance today he said oh yeah I can help you with that so I tell him just what all I just said and then he said I can get you on insurance today but it doesn't cover pre-existing conditions so we're happy to take all your money no problem happy to do business with you and the reasons I need health insurance aren't included in what's covered. So it is literally impossible for me to have health insurance at any price. At least for one more year. And it's already been 2009, so 10 years since I had insurance.
So, yeah, all that. It's very frustrating. And it's, I mean, un-American. We claim to be the freest country on earth. And we send our kids to school for them to start their adulthood into this world six figures in debt because they worked hard and they deserve it. They earned that debt. Seems to be the new commodity in the United States is just rampant consumerism. And we're just not connecting with each other. We've gotten to this point where everyone's so self-absorbed and their fake persona that they put out there on social media into the world that doesn't really represent their real life and then neglecting to actually connect with people. It's one thing if you do that for funsies or whatever, but if it's actually in replacement of a... That was that moment where you realize that even if your phone is on Do Not Disturb, you still get a phone call in the middle of your recording. I'm just so tired of broken promises. It's... It's been my entire life. I gr- I grew up in you know like in a in a my dad's a oh my god call call terminated. Well, I hope this is still recording me. So I grew up in Connecticut. My dad was a naval officer. So we moved around a lot uh, as I, when I was younger. But most of my life, from fourth grade on, I was in. Rural Connecticut, a town of 6,000 people. Griswold, Connecticut. And uh, it was a really community-based area at the time. Everything's changed now. But then, I mean, there was a lot of community involvement. Like, I was in the Boy Scouts. My dad was the leader of that Boy Scout troop. And we did a bunch of cool shit. Every time I think about something amazing that formed me as a person in my childhood is because I was doing some Boy Scout event. We camped 12 months out of the year the whole time I was in the Boy Scouts and got year-rounders. If you can camp in every month of the calendar year, you get a, a ribbon for your guide on and it stays with you and it just like... Anyway, it's fun. It's competition. Klondike Derby. Build a sled. Pull it around in the fucking woods in the snow and then find an accident victim and treat them and then orientation and then find your way to a spot and you know all kinds of shit and it helped me in life and uh so 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 and 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 the community involvement and the sense of civic duty is really the reason i bring that up is is that people felt connected not just with each other but to the system of government that that they know represents them so everyone participated and so so like part I got a civics uh, badge for uh, make taking action in your community and making making a something change and our dog got hit by a dump truck that's a terrible thing to laugh at, but it just sounds so ridiculous. 
and the memory's so old I don't really have a connection with it anymore uh in any case I was sad for my dog I was a pretty emotional and sensitive kid and uh I was sad for my dog and I wrote city councilman uh who lived literally down the street from me uh a letter about the dump truck killing my dog and can we put in a stop sign instead of a yield and it worked they fucking put it in like seven months later in the summertime and I'm like what and I watched him put in this stop sign that I wrote a letter to ask for so I felt connected to my community and to the process knowing that hey everyone does matter our voices count. And that has been eroding ever since. It's been getting a little bit worse and a little bit worse every year. Even before social media and smartphones connected us to all of humanity's information. It's the greatest tool in human history. It's the reason why our evolution is going to skyrocket at exponential speed because we basically are transitioning to a hive mind right now. We are essentially engineering ourselves into a cybernetic organism that is part data and part physical being. It's transformative stuff. And if you want to hear about some of that, you can listen, you should listen to Elon Musk talk about AI. He's had some chilling speeches on interviews about the dangers of artificial intelligence. And that he believes it to be the greatest threat to humanity. Now, you know, a lot of people will argue global pandemic, and that's usually in the top three, too. But it is an existential threat because how we handle it right now in its uh, development and uh, ultimate release, which some parts of it have already been released, uh, essentially uh, self-driving cars are part of that. I mean, you're talking about a technology where In self-driving autonomy, the cars communicate with each other. So the accident probabilities and uh, and, uh, frequency will go way down because the cars are literally communicating with each other. Now, we're on the cusp of them releasing that and that will change things. I mean, think about this. If you have, say, a million Teslas on the road And with a software update, those cars could turn into a taxi with no driver that works for you while you're sleeping. So the robo-taxi service has already been in the business plan for Tesla for a long time. And you couple that with the fact that they've invested so much in battery technology that no one will catch up catch up with them that's why last february or march 
he was quoted as saying game set match because he knew that he had locked in first mover advantage on a massively transformative technology and it well look at their stock price it's quadrupled in the last three months in any case we have to be careful about how we interact with technology that's changing things too Forty-seven thousand people. When you think about forty-seven thousand people, like try to imagine how many of that, that is. That's more than ten times, or just about ten times, the number of people that were killed on 9/11 in the towers. Forty-seven thousand people. That's two NBA stadiums filled to capacity. More than forty-seven thousand Americans a year die because they don't have health insurance. That's not me stating something I heard in an elevator. That's a Harvard Medical Report. You can look it up. Forty-seven thousand people, Americans, citizens of this country, die by the scores of millions every year because we have a system where the number one economy on the planet. Is the only nation, the only developed nation that does not have socialized health care for its citizens. We're the only one to have what I consider to be a barbaric system of privilege-based benefit systems. Whether it's corporations or human beings, you only get service if you are amongst the elite it is an unequal system and it's meant to be that way and if you'd like more information about that you should listen to Noam Chomsky I've been hearing his name a bunch lately I'd never seen or read anything uh, from or about him until a friend of mine sent me a link to YouTube which I'll try to share in this uh, podcast I think I can do that uh, it's like a 90 minute interview well it's really just a monologue about the history of our country and the systems of control that have always been there. But that they are manipulatable. They're manipulable. That is the one thing in the system of government that was created for this country that I unequivocally like. And it's that it can be changed. 
And the most effective and efficient way to do it is to not sit here and let the people of power say one thing and do another. Change happens when huge numbers of people stand up and say, I object to this. I will not stand for it anymore. We stand united, we stand together, and we stand opposed. And it's important that you do it in the ways that you can. And that's really the message of this podcast is activism. We need to be in our communities, whether it's canvassing, for whatever candidate you believe can change fundamentally our system of government. You know, Donald Trump has done us a favor in some ways because it's going to sort of recapitalize responsible behavior, but in some ways more importantly, what between what Barack, well, starting with Bush and the Patriot Act and on to uh, the Obama administration's uh, further expanding the powers of the Oval Office through executive order, which is how they got all those drone strikes done. And now Trump further expanding the power of the Oval Office with uh, more liberal uh, executive powers uh, policies. It's unilateral. It doesn't have to be approved. And so when we elect Bernie on day one, when he takes office, he can, with the stroke of a pen, enact a, a, a huge number of new policies in this country, including legalizing marijuana. There's a lot that can be done now through the power of the executive office. And so we're primed to be able to make quick, efficient change, but we have to care. We have to unplug. I see the irony about broadcasting, broadcasting to you through a mobile device. That's what I'm doing right now. But be damned. We need this change. And I, I know you can see it. I know that you can see the peril that we're in. It's hard to deny it. It's everywhere. It's brazen and it's in your face and unapologetic. I mean, how far? How far are we going to let the bully on the playground push us around? His buddy sneaking up behind you. He's going to get on the ground. And at that moment, you either have to see the threat and avoid it by punching Billy in the face or get pushed over, hit your head on the fucking concrete. The threat is real. It's existential. It is easy to understand. And if we have one united voice together against the tyranny and for the voice of the people, 
then we can make the change that we seek. But you have to get off the couch. You have to get out in the street. Let's do it together. And I want to share our sources of information together as well. Okay, that's why I've been trying to pepper this with the places where I get my news and information. TYT is a huge one. Michael Moore is, is those are my daily listens right there. Michael Moore's podcast, Rumble. One of the things I love most about Michael, Michael Moore's podcast is that it's, it's, uh, what does he say? Underwritten by, uh, anchor. So the anchor app is actually pretty fantastic. Uh, it's basically push button, do this. It's record. I mean, you can put music behind it. It's awesome. Like it's really cool. And one of the things I love most though, is that there's a voice message system. You can record a one minute, uh, message and it, and it sends like email kind of, and you can listen to it. And so I send Michael Moore, uh, messages all the time. And it just feels good to be able to kind of have that, um, that kind of sense of connection in a way. Uh, that, cause I, I really do believe that's one of the things that's, that's missing, uh, in our society. The reason why we have all these goddamn killings is because we're not connected with each other. There's no empathy, compassion happening in those, in those communities because we're all disconnected. We're all disaffected. We're all numbed to our compassion. We need to change that by uniting by seeking information together so that we can all be informed and safe and secure in our country. Those are the premises of sort of basic society and we're losing them. I mean, if you don't see Trump as the biggest existential threat to right now, this moment, I mean, he can start World War III tomorrow. But look what he's doing. I mean... He's the most dangerous president this country's ever seen. And he's very, his, his approval rating went up. He's at like 49%, his highest by far approval rating. Because people are believing the lies that are being broadcast on cable news. It's being manipulated against the progressive left by both parties. Look at Iowa. The disgusting mess of the Iowa caucuses. It still hasn't been re- resolved. We don't even have a winner from Iowa days later. And it's and it's orchestrated by the DNC. And it's obviously so. I mean the fucking software was written in part by Pete Buttigieg's husband. It's a brazen, blatant assail of our sense of decency and our, and our understanding of the security of our system of government. Those things are being eroded be, through these actions. Mitt Romney is the only Republican senator who has any level of character remaining. He is the only outlier in the entire Republican Senate to vote 
his conscience. It's depraved and disgusting and alarming and you should be terrified because it is real. And you you can't believe how fast things can change. I mean, you you think Donald Trump won't declare martial law? Put the National Guard in the streets? You will. That's why it needs to be peaceful, but united. I think that's all for today. Please feel free to get at me with the with a message or a suggestion or a reference. I appreciate you for listening. More to come.